Broadcasting from the Any Hour Services podcast studio, I'm your host, Mike Wilson, and you're listening to In the House. In the House is a podcast about the major systems in the house, electrical, plumbing, heating, air conditioning. Each week, I'm joined by a panel of experts, and we pick a topic and we go deep. It's meant to be informative and hopefully bring you some value. Today, I'm joined by three certified HVAC technicians, uh, Dick Bunker, Kevin Van Orman, Matt Bunker. They have 54 years of combined HVAC experience, uh, but they've been in the construction and building industry for even longer than that. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Mike. (laughs) <laughs> that sounded awesome with you guys all it was like thanks mike <laughs> how, how does it feel uh being on our first hvac episode of in the house feels good it already feels better than when you first sit down sat sitted when you first sat down right it, mm-hmm. we're a little bit more relaxed we're just kind of hanging out having a topic yeah i think any anytime you throw headphones on a microphone in front of you and have cameras standing around it there can be kind of an air of uneasiness, but no, this is pretty cool. We're excited to be able to sit down and have this chat. Yeah, absolutely. And as we go along, those things just kind of fade out into the background. So, but today we're actually going to be talking about furnaces. Uh, we posted on Facebook and uh, and social media and things, and we 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 had a lot of people respond and come up with questions. So we'll be talking about everything from how long furnaces should last, uh, how often should I change my filter brands, you name it, whatever questions came through. Uh, and by the way, if, you, if anyone out there is listening, would like to leave comments on whatever platform you're listening um, or, uh, you know, with questions or other things that you'd like to hear us talk about, feel free to do that. But right now we'll just dive into uh, furnaces before we talk, excuse me, before we talk about furnaces, before the show, we were talking about qualifications um, that, that a, an HVAC technician, um, garnish as as a a I don't know showing that they're a professional because with electricians and plumbers you know they're licensed so you've got licensed electricians licensed plumbers and the state regulates that uh, but with HVAC technicians what is your equivalent of licensing <laughs> for those of you who wondering why there's the silence uh, by having three guests, they're all looking at each other like, you're going to talk, you're going to talk. Should I talk? Should I talk? So anyway, uh, Kevin. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll talk the whole time. That's why I have to stop and look. To, before. That's why I looked at him. I'm still wondering how you got Jeremy approved me and a microphone on a radio. Yeah, that's a good question. I did not ask permission. I like it. So I mean, have been made. now it's up to you whether you get to stay on the microphone. <laughs> but uh, let's let's actually start, Kevin. Why don't you kick it off and then you other guys can chime in as we're going along. But talk about what the uh, licensing equivalent is for HVAC technicians. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so in the state of Utah, there's a couple of certifications that are required to be able to work on your gas and use your refrigerant. Uh, work with the different refrigerants and Puron and stuff. Um, you've got your RMGA certification, which is the Rocky Mountain Gas Association certification. Okay. Um, that's a, a pretty big one. Um, is that a state-governed board, or what is, what so, is that organization? So the state requires it. Um, there's multiple states that are in it. The Rocky Mountain, uh, which ones are they, Richard? It's, it's Colorado. It's I mean, Colorado, isn't it Idaho also? I think so. Um, but it's what the state has adopted as the requirement is you've got to have this certification if you're going to work on a gas appliance. Gotcha. Right. And gas appliance, I mean, that's any gas appliance you're supposed to be able to have and prove that you've got the certification. So even if someone's coming out and working on a, a, a what is it called? A, 
oven. I don't know why the, <laughs> if it's gas oven, yeah. you're supposed to be Nate certified to be able to t- well, work not with Nate gas. certified. Rocky Mountain Gas Association oh, shoot. certified. Sorry, but, Rocky Mountain. But I understand. So, okay. So uh, I guess that leads it. What are some other uh, certifications? So another big one is the EPA. Okay. Um, it's a national certification, right? EPA is the National uh, Environmental Protection Agency. Um, essentially showing that you are competent to be able to work with certain chemicals that could be potentially hazardous to the environment. Um, and those are your two main big ones. Um, a couple others that are, that are uh, out there that you can get also are your NATE certifications. Um, there's uh, quite the large array of NATE certifications that you can get. Um, a core test and then the, I think your biggest ones that are probably most important for our area would be your AC heat pump and your gas and oil heat, right? Gotcha. So Rocky Mountain uh, certification or the RMGA, that one is to be able to work on gas. The EPA is to be able to work with the refrigerant. Mm-hmm. Is that um, accurate? And then the Nate certification, that one's more of the codes and best practices? Um, or? There's, there's a lot of service type stuff. Uh, basically, it's not a required to be able to do this type of work. Um, it's a way to show that, hey, I, I know my stuff, right? You pass an eight certification tests, and that's essentially what you're showing. Um, they're experience-based questions that are in the testing uh, for the most part. And so if you can pass those, you're essentially saying that, hey, I've been doing this for a little while, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm up to snuff. I know what's going on. It really shows that you just have more dedication, want to continue learning. Yeah. So show that you're committed to your career and your job and getting better and serving, you know, a little better in your job. It just, if someone has those things, it just shows that I'm serious about this as an, a career, an HVAC career track. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Um, let's see. So some of the questions that we got online, let's, let's start basic. Um, as far as furnaces go, let's talk about brand. Are there any, well, my opinion on when I ask these types of questions, if you ask four HVAC technicians, uh, you know, what brand's the best? You're going to get probably four different answers. Talk to me about what y'all's opinions are on brands and why there's so many different opinions. I think guys just get used to working on a specific brand so they're comfortable with it. And so in their head, it's, hey, it's the best brand. Gotcha. Yeah, everybody's going to have different experiences as they're doing service or whatever it is. And so, or installs. And they're, they're going to like this thing over that thing and depend you know, and most technicians that I know, they've installed several different types of brands and so, or service different. You, if you're doing service, you're servicing everything. And so you just find the things that you like or things that you think are stupid or whatever it is. Gotcha. Yeah. To me, it's like automobiles. I mean, growing up, my dad always had a Chevy truck, you know, so I'm a GMC Chevy guy. I'm a GM guy. I'm not a big Ford fan, but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with Ford. It's just what I'm used to. Gotcha. And it's kind of, I've installed almost every brand out there and some of them more than others. So of course they're my favorite because I've installed more of them. So one of the questions that people asked was how long, um, how long is a, how, what's the life expectancy of a system? And while we're sticking on the topic of brand, are there brands that in your experience have lasted longer than others? Or are there some that like, ah, this thing's only good for five years. (laughs) Like tell me about your opinions on those. There's definitely a quality in different brands. Like they, most brands have more of a builder grade to higher end and your builder grade may not last as long. So just, it's not built as well. So are you saying that different brands have different grades? So like there might be a builder grade and by builder grade, we're talking about like if there's track homes going in or, uh, you know, a, a 
new construction contractor is putting equipment in? Is that what's considered builder grade? Is that considered a lower grade? Yeah, a lot of times contractors want to put in cheap stuff so they can get you know people into homes for a cheaper price. Gotcha. Just depends on which builder it is. Gotcha. Um, a big part of what's uh, what's going to affect the equipment and everything else um, is going to be your install, right? Uh, they'll go with the lower end stuff. A lot of times lower end just means lower efficiencies or maybe they're not as quiet or maybe, you know, they're just missing aspects that maybe the higher end stuff that's, that's quite a bit more expensive is just missing because they can get away with it and still have it function. Um, as far as your longevity and everything else goes that way, you know, the install, the maintenance, you know, are you replacing your filters and making sure that that's happening on a regular basis? Are you, are you doing the things to make sure that that system is being taken care of well then as far as life expectancy goes you know it's, it's hard to say for sure uh you know you see some units that are 15 20 years you see others like that one behind you over there that lasted and lasted and lasted you know so it's true so matt did you want to weigh in you good yeah so to me i could take the best piece of equipment you can possibly buy and if you have the worst installer out there it's not going to last or if you get the best installer and you take in someone's opinion, some of the worst equipment, it may outlast that equipment because of the installation. Makes you sense. Know, some of the issue too is going along those same, you know, lines is uh, best piece of equipment, but say it's not sized properly mm. or the ductwork was sized improperly. If we're talking in a retrofit um, or, or a new construction, whichever, um, if things just aren't done right, then that system can't be expected to, to last as long as it's supposed to, you know, I've seen stuff die within two, three years. I mean, it, it really can be that that short if things were not done right. So, I mean, what is a customer like? How do they avoid those things from happening? Because they don't they don't know all the math. They don't know all, know know all of the calculations that need to be done to make sure that something is sized properly. How do they how do they protect themselves from being a victim? Because when you put in a new piece of equipment, if it's installed improperly, since it's new, it's going to seem like it's working. You don't usually realize that it's either installed improperly or something's wrong until all of the consequences of the, that improper installation have had the time to take wear and tear. And it might be five, seven, eight years where all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, why am I having to replace this thing so quickly? So how does someone how do you counsel a homeowner or advise them so that they're not a victim of that? Gosh, you know, I, it really, it comes down to the contractor that you're going with, honestly. And, you know, obviously we're with any hour services. Sure. Regardless of who you go with is you need to make sure that they're reputable, that they've got people who know what they're talking about, that they're certified, uh, know what a manual J is, you know, when you're talking about duck sizing and, and equipment sizing and all that kind of stuff. Um, somebody who's going to be around and, and is willing to stand behind the stuff. I mean, that, that, that stuff, it sounds very generic what I'm saying, but the most generic things are the most true things, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that, the, the counsel I would give, regardless of who you go with, is just make sure that it's somebody that you can trust. Yeah. I, I'm with Kevin on that one. The contractor is going to be a big aspect. You know, they've done their manual J, manual D, you know, they got it sized properly. They asked you some questions in generic, what you're looking for. That's going to be a big key aspect of it. So one thing that I will uh, usually talk to customers about or, or tell them is, is I try and paint a picture for them about how do they 
identify someone that's reputable because you at you call up any company or you look at any of their advertisement are they going to say like hey we might not be the guy you want to go with all of our guys might not be this or that you know everyone's going to try and put their best foot forward that way and if you call them and you ask them questions they're going to try and answer them so i try and paint the picture because we all know that there's different experiences that a customer can have with the different people that come into the home and one of the things that I try and say is, okay, if you're meeting with someone to get a new furnace, what should that experience feel like? And so when you talked about the manual J and like all the other stuff that I have no clue what it is, like how, what should that look like when they're meeting with someone? How do they know if someone is being detail oriented? To me, it's, um, I mean, nobody wants to replace their furnace or air conditioner. And it's just not a fun thing to do. It's not like buying a TV or whatever. But if a guy can come in there and make you feel comfortable and answer your questions and show that he knows what he's talking about, um, the biggest thing is just if you feel comfortable. I mean, we've got tons and tons of Google reviews, you know, and people don't lie. And that says something for us. You know, if you got a company that's got only a few reviews, they might be a five-star, but a few reviews, they could be great or they may not be. It depends if they've had their family or whatever. But uh, consensus, you know, we've got a lot of, a lot of return customers and uh like our guys are go supposed to go out you know be neutral just be a friend with them educate and let the customer choose if uh if they got somebody in their house that's pushy then that might be a red flag you know back when i was uh selling lots of equipment um like i said that sell lots of anyway <laughs> <laughs> well, just, just for the record kevin is now the uh the installation manager he is over all of the installs that uh, any hour services does every year i think we pulled what 2800 permits last year yeah. just for hvac equipment and so but he used to be on the side where he would go out and where he was running service and and talk to people about upgrading their equipment so one of the things that i found and and you know it's never a bad thing to get multiple bids get multiple opinions um, but one of the things that I found was I would come in after the fact, after somebody had been in there and the thing that would blow me away is I'd be on this rinky dink little house and they'd have a four or a five ton air conditioner bid for this house that, you know, I'm looking at it. And after I do my sizing and everything else, I need a two, two and a half ton, but yet whoever was before me is planning on putting in this massive equipment and all that's going to do is create problems for years to come, uh, shorten the life of it. And the people are going to be looking at replacing their equipment again really soon, you know? And so from a buyer standpoint, uh, knowing what I know, I would hope I got somebody in there who is taking some measurements. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, again, install manager. This is the stuff I think about, right? Okay. Um, make sure that measurements are being taken. A lot of the stuff that goes into the manual J, it's based on different sizes of different things. Uh, can the ductwork that's in there, can it handle the amount of air that you're trying to cool or heat? Um, because if you think of a, of a heating and air conditioning system, the airflow is the blood. Right. Mm. And if you restrict the blood to your brain, what happens? Your brain dies. Yep. Right. And it's the same kind of thing with your furnace. You restrict the airflow, the blood to the furnace, your furnace is going to die really quick. And so that's the kind of stuff. I mean, how thorough are they being while they're in your house? And like uh, Matt was saying, you know, are, are you comfortable with what you've seen them do? Yeah, a lot of times I'll actually, uh, oh, sorry, did you have something you want to no. uh, So a lot of times I'll actually tell people, because it is, as, as much as it sounds hokey, Sometimes it is a feeling that you get, right? Because you are going into a relationship with this company and they're putting in a piece of equipment, you're investing in this thing. And if you don't feel good about the person that's selling the thing to you, like that, that should, 
for me anyway, that would be a red flag. Um, so, but to try and bring as much value to uh, homeowners listening, so one of the things that they could do is they could ask to see uh, the calculations or ask how the, the person that's recommending that piece of equipment, ask them, how did you come up with that size? Or, you know, like maybe put them on the spot a little bit because, you know, the, as, 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 a, as a technician going out there and communicating with the homeowner, we try and teach them that like, you know, don't get too in the weeds with people. Don't get too technical because they might not want to know those things. But it's always good to spot check and be like, you know, explain to me how you came up with this. And that'll, if they're fumbling over their words, like if you asked me how I came up with some type of calculation that I was out there just making up, you know, you probably be pretty obvious that like Kevin is way more knowledgeable about HVAC stuff than, than I am. And so, you know, that, that feeling asked to see some of the calculations, are you seeing them actually take measurements and, and doing things like that? So that's all good recommendations. And you can tell, I mean, if somebody really knows what they're talking about, um, as opposed to somebody who's just blowing smoke, you know what I mean? You really can. Uh, ultimately, it does wind down to trust, too. Yep. There is so much, as a, as a homeowner, when you have never done this, and what's, what's the average? Uh, I mean, people are going to put a new system once or twice in their life, uh, in their home, yeah, I think statistically. It's, I think it's twice or two or three times or something like that. So in, in an industry where you know almost nothing it really does come back to trust. And so you need to find somebody you trust. Reviews, reviews is a great way. You know, look on Google and see what you can find uh, for any company that you're looking at. Um, and like you say, you kind of got to go off of a, a gut. But I mean, there is some things that you can do homework wise. Like I say, reviews is one of those things. Uh, just look for reputable, you know, just look up a company and read about them. If you're a if you're asking a bunch of questions and you're not getting answers, that's a pretty good sign that, hey, you need to do some more research. So I actually, when I was out in the field, I still run out there quite a bit. I like questions. Like, feel free to ask all you want. I'm here to educate you. That's my main goal. Um, so, okay, so let me, let me go back to the brand question. One thing that, tell me if I'm off with this or not, but it sounds like from talking to you guys, it's more important, more important than brand is making sure that the thing is installed properly and that it is maintained. Agreed. hundred mm, percent. Okay. So what I usually will tell people is, um, if they're trying to ask a question about, well, what brand should I be looking at? I usually will steer them towards, I'll look at it this way and be like, well, if you look at the true cost of owning a furnace, it's not just about the money that you pay up front to have the thing installed. You also have utility overpayments and you have, uh, the, upkeep or the repair of the thing. And so when you look at a repair cost on something, you've got labor and you've got materials and so are the parts. And so I say anywhere that you can hedge your bet and you can not have to pay for some of those things. So look for as long of a warranty as you can from the manufacturer so that if there are some issues, you're not stuck paying for the labor and the material. And if you can find a company that offers you extended warranty options, even better, because as the thing gets older, it's going to start breaking down. So more than being emotionally tied to a name on a plate, uh, because a lot of these things are built in the same factory, right? Using the same robots or hands oh, yeah. the, or whatever. The parts are coming from the same places and right? they just take them and stick them in just different boxes. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to be tied to brand, you can, but I mean, it's more about making sure that the thing is installed right and that you're upkeeping it and you're doing the maintenance on it. So that's a good seg segue into, um, actual maintenance. We had, we had somebody ask, uh, what, other than changing the filter, what are some things that I need to be doing? So um, we'll, 
I want to try and avoid going too deep into filters because I think filters can be an entire episode in and of itself. So just real basic, let's give some people some tips on filters first, because that is the number one thing when I'm on the radio talking to people, I tell them it's the number one thing that you can do yourself that is going to benefit your system. So let's, let's talk in general about, um, let's just cover how often should someone be replacing their filter, their filter. So if I was going to give someone just a generic, this is what you should do. I would say you need to at least check it once a month. Okay. Right. Um, now you love it when I say it depends because you <laughs> ask me all these questions all the time and you say, and I always answer with it depends because a lot of things do depend yep. and there are a lot of different types of filters out there. And so, um, even with a lot of those filters though, it doesn't hurt to check it once a month. Um, you know, we talked about airflow being the blood. Well, all the air goes through a filter mm -hmm. and what happens when you get a clogged artery, boom, heart attack, yep. right? Same kind of thing. Uh, and so to check it is, is not a bad thing. Uh, a lot of these disposable one inch filters that you're getting around though, uh, Home Depot, Walmart, wherever you buy them from, um, they need to be replaced once a month. Okay. Uh, if you open it up and you look at it and it's like, looks pristine, pristine and clear and everything else. And maybe you don't need to replace it. Maybe you can keep that one. Yeah, that uh, that some, may not some be houses, a good thing though too, Kevin. That you is get pristine. Too, well, yeah, you get a filter that doesn't do a whole lot of good job. It may not stop a lot of dirt. <laughs> so uh, you, so if, there's that too. <laughs> if, there, if the holes are so big that it's not stopping anything and it always looks pristine, you're, you're saying that that's, that's a that's It looks a like a thing. fishnet. Don't, don't expect a yeah. lot. <laughs> um, well, one thing that I'll actually uh, say to people, actually, let, before I go, any other thoughts on filters? A lot of it depends on, too, where you live. Um, like my house, I've got a dirt field next to it. I've got a six-month filter. I change mine every three months. Um, if you live in the city where it's nice and clean, not much dirt blown around or whatever, you may get six months to a year out of it. So I agree with Kevin every, every month, check your filter. Yeah. Well, and you, we bring up a good thing. You say you got the, the wider filter, right? And so if you have the, uh, there's certain types of filters that they're designed to last a little bit longer, right? Uh, just the surface area that's in them, the way they do their pleats and stuff, uh, makes it so that they can go for a longer period of time. But that being said, ask yourself a few questions. Do I got eight cats that live in my house or two? Do I have a dog that likes to sleep on the return, which seems pretty common, right? And uh, just things like, do I have lots of little kids that are dropping stuff down the vent? Um, so so what, I'll, what I'll tell people as far as the filter, I, that's my go-to is check it every month, but change it as needed, which then leads me to how do I know if, if I need to replace it? I tell, I say, take it out, hold it up to the light. If you're not seeing light through the thing, you're not getting enough air through it. Um, so like we've got these filters over here behind us, um, where from looking at it, it's super obvious because one is white and it looks new. And the other one is on the, on the other side here, it's gray and it looks furry. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so sometimes when our guys go out and service systems, it's really, really obvious that like, okay, I don't even need to do the light test on this thing. I, I, you need a new filter. Right. And so actually that's a, that's a good tip for people. If you are going to have somebody come out to your home, like have a filter there <laughs> so that they can, you know, replace it for you if you're, if you're not comfortable doing that. Okay. So number one thing maintenance wise that they can do is, um, is replace the filter. Go and, ahead. Well, even more than that, I think number one is know where your filter is. Oh, I love those calls. Yeah. How many times have you been somewhere and they're like, filter? Seven years <laughs> I've been here. I don't have a filter. Yeah. No, you do. Yeah. I, so, so people don't even know where the filter is. Yeah, I, I've actually been to a few where it was, well, no, I don't, I don't have another furnace that, 
that services this area, you know? Okay. Well, let's talk. What are the most common? And again, you know, we'll, we'll have a much more in-depth furnace ep, uh, filter episode, but like, just give us real quick the most common places that filters are. Uh, typically it's going to be between, if you look at, if you're looking straight on and you've got a standard furnace with a drop. And when I say drop, that's the ductwork coming down the side. Okay. Um, that ductwork that's coming down the side is typically bringing fresh air back to your furnace. Right. And so somewhere between that duct and the furnace itself is where your filter is going to be sitting. Sometimes it's, sometimes you've got to open up a little slide door. Sometimes you've got to open up the bottom cabinet of the furnace to see it. Um, sometimes it's just a quick little pop off door, right? But somewhere in that vicinity is where your filter is typically going to be. Okay. Um, what about other places, other common places? Uh, some of them up in the ceilings. Yeah, you can have filter grills. Yeah, you know, filter grill maybe actually in the return air grill. Is that so. common for, fil for furnaces that are installed in um, attics and crawl spaces that are harder for a customer to get to? Yes. More attics, yeah, for sure. So, okay, so there might be a filter grill in the ceiling uh, that has a little latch. You pull that down, and that's where your filter is. Uh, what about, I mean, what about in the wall? Is that a, is that a place? They do, they do make them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the important thing, number one, find out where your filter is. And if anyone's listening and you're not quite sure where your filter is, like shoot us a comment and I might have you text me some pictures or something and we'll try and help you figure out where that thing is. Um, okay. And then replace it uh, as it gets dirty. Check it every month. Uh, what are some other things maintenance wise that people should be aware of and doing uh, to their furnace? And we'll talk about the 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 maintenance that you should have a professional do but before we get to that what are some other things that people can do themselves keep it clean like dirt affects the, f the way the furnace functions uh, okay so what do they clean like i mean what do you mean you can even wipe it down open a cover off and just wipe it down you see dirt there like if it's uh, especially if they're in the laundry room you're gonna get lint build up and it can mm -hmm. block a lot of things when when you look at a furnace um the front doors have typically louvers or just some openings, right? And they're important to allow air in for the, uh, the combustion. Well, you've got combustion, but then the drafting process, mm -hmm. being able to get the harmful gases and stuff out of there. Gotcha. And so it's like Richard was saying, uh, I mean, how many times you've been in a laundry room where the furnace is in the laundry room and you've got a good eighth of an inch of lint that's just caked on those things. And it's, I mean, they're not big openings. It, it's diminishing the amount of air that's actually getting in there. And, you know, that can affect the longevity of, and the way that your furnace works. That, and if it's got a whole bunch of that stuff sitting right there, it can actually draw that in to where the combustion process happens. And you've got a whole bunch of different stuff in there that, I mean, small, small openings where the air and the gas are mixing and things like that. Uh, you know, you get into the Venturi and things like that where uh, if you get pieces of lint, it can actually affect your your furnace from working and you might be calling somebody to come out just because it's had a chance to draw that stuff in and get dirty. Gotcha. So keep, <clears throat> excuse me. So keep the area around the furnace clean, uh, you know, take a shop back to it every once in a while, clean dust. And then also, uh, you're saying clean the, the outside of the furnace. Are, are you, is it safe for someone to, uh, open the furnace door and, and wipe up the dirt or, yeah. or take a shot back to it? Yeah. If you're comfortable opening that by, yeah, of course, you know, something you don't feel comfortable with by, by all means call. I'll usually tell people it's totally fine to do that, but there are, uh, there's a circuit board in there. There's wires. Try and avoid touching the circuit board. Try and avoid yanking and moving wires around because if there is a short or something happens, you don't want to exacerbate the problem. You don't want to be like jamming a vacuum hose, like, you know, smashing it in there, you know, but just gently go through and okay. yeah, there's nothing wrong with filter, that. 
keep it clean. I, one thing that I'll tell people is I'll talk to them about the importance of uh, periodically going around and making sure that the vents are open around the house uh, because we talk about the importance of airflow and we talk about the filter uh, restricting airflow and causing resistance. You can do that on the other end where the air goes out and where it comes back. And so a lot of time, I don't know why, uh, you know, builders and architects decided to design uh, return airs exactly where in the middle of a wall where you want a cabinet to go mm-hmm. or where you want your couch to be leaned up against. But being aware that you need space at, for the air to circulate in the in the house because the system is designed or the way that I describe it. Tell me if I'm wrong. Anything, I'm going to tell you what I say on the radio. Please make sure I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fact check this later. So what I tell them, I said, your, your system is designed to move a certain amount of air out and bring that air back and condition it. And anything that you put in the way of that, whether it's a closed register, whether it's a blocked vent, it's going to affect in a negative way the performance of your system. You may not notice it uh, you know, immediately, but over time, those consequences you can't predict what the consequences are going to be so you know the manufacturer says hey leave these things open because that's actually one of the questions is how important is it really to leave the vents open so let's actually talk about that oh yeah that's a big one right there um opening your vents keeping them open i mean that system was designed for that if you're starting to shut them off i mean that's going to create some restrictions and that's going to shorten the life of your furnace or air conditioner it's definitely important to i don't mess with my vents i i've got them open and I don't have a problem with it. So, well, I think what a lot of people do, uh, the reason that they'll close them is as you have people start to move out of the house, they'll be like, Oh, I'm not using this room anymore. I don't want to pay to heat it. And the only way that they know to, uh, not heat it is to try and shut the vent off or close the doors so that they're like, ah, I'm going to save so much money by not conditioning the air in this space. So, um, but, but I, I always say if you, it's recommended not to, but if you're going to like, don't like keep it to a minimum. Right. I mean, cause you can't make anybody do anything, but, but to, well, they're designed to close, to be closed down and to kind of damper the amount that's going out. Mm-hmm. Right. You actually never can close them off all the way. Those, those sure. registers, they let a little bit out. Right. But, uh, you know, it's funny, my, uh, it can actually really affect how much you're spending, you know, when your bills come in and stuff for, uh, <laughs> this is, I always bring up my wife when I talk to people about this because my wife, when it's summertime, she's really funny. She likes to walk around and she'll close vents, put things over vents. And, on um, purpose? On purpose. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what I said. On purpose. <laughs> what are you doing? But no, she, um, her, we actually had her sister staying with us in the basement for a little bit. And uh, she was crying about how cold it was downstairs and how it's so hot upstairs. I don't understand what's going on. And, you know, I'm in and out of the house. I don't really pay attention. I'm sure whatever. And so I start looking around and I realized that it was probably three quarters of the vents upstairs. She had closed and covered with something <laughs> because she didn't like the actual feel of the air blowing on her skin. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she'd be by it for a minute and be like, Oh, and she'd cover it. And so what was it doing? It was never satisfying the thermostat upstairs running like crazy. So the vents downstairs were putting tons of AC downstairs and freezing the downstairs out. And I mean, it was a simple fix. All I had to do was walk around and open all the vents. Hmm. But now imagine if that runs that way for days and weeks and months, and it's never turning off because the thermostat, thermostat how much am I paying now? Exactly. How much am I paying on my bill more than what I would have had it been able to just vent and, and circulate properly. Very interesting. So, um, okay. Any other thoughts on vents? Yeah. So I think 
airflow is more critical now going forward than it was in the past just because of the new uh, furnace regulations. They've got new motors in them that are more sensitive to uh, the airflow. And so if they're designed to run at 100%, they're redlining basically, and the motors will they'll go out quicker. Mm. I've replaced a lot of motors and a lot of AC service calls because people have closed vents or a dirty filter because just because of airflow. Okay, so um, okay, so we've got filters, keep the unit clean, uh, make sure the vents are open. What are some other things that they can do to their furnace to before we get to the maintenance that a professional does? That's really the big things that come to my mind. Gosh, yeah, I, I, I bet you eight out of 10 of the major service calls that you end up with uh, can be delayed or put off completely by just making sure your filters. We get cool. a lot of rash of calls in the first of the summer with frozen air conditioners because the filter is dirty. Like that's all it is. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So uh, a couple other things that I usually will recommend to people is because I know a a service call that we get sometimes are low batteries in the thermostat. So I'll say, you know, once a year, maybe if, you know, take your thermostat off the wall, check and see if it's got batteries. If it does replace those batteries. Um, the other thing that I will mention to people is, um, if you have a whole home humidifier, winter is the time when you want to be using it. So, um, and one of the questions, well, maybe we'll circle back around to humidifiers because actually this is a good time to talk about it. So one of the questions was, how do I use that built-in humidifier that I've got on the furnace downstairs? And so let's talk about humidifiers for a second. The dial. Uh, <laughs> well, well, when yeah. he says built-in, <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that's just a regular humidifier that's been installed, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd be surprised how many, when you ask like, hey, who has a humidifier? How many people think those little diffusers that are like blowing smoke in the air or water vapors in the air, that's a humidifier or the ones you, it is, but I'm just saying that, yes, we're talking about a built-in whole Whole, whole humidifier. The one that goes on the ductwork. Correct. And so, yeah, so you talked about a dial. There's a humidistat that you go down and it's somewhere on the ductwork. And well, it might be on the ductworks. Where else would it be? So some of these newer thermostats have them built in. Oh, really? Yeah, and you may have the humidistat depending on where the contractor put it, able to put it up in the hallway or something like that. But there's going to be something that's going to control that humidifier at the levels. So what does the humidistat actually control? Does that control the amount of water going to the humidifier? No. What does it do? It, it controls the amount of humidity, the, the length that runs, it operates. So it, I guess it could control the water, so to speak, that way, but not the actual volume of water. It'll gotcha. just tell the humidifier to turn on or off. Okay. It, it sounds like, because I think that we could probably have an entire episode about humidifiers too, yes. because on my humidifier, like there is, there's several steps that you do. You, you set the humidistat and it's down at the ductwork. And then you, there's a, it's, I think mine's probably a bypass. What are the different types? There's like bypasses yeah, and there's fan power to bypass. You've got a steam so I, humidifier. So I think mine's bypass because there's a piece of ductwork that comes oh. off mm-hmm. on it. And there's an actual louver that there's another. Di- so there's a dial for the humidistat. And then there's a dial that says, you know, winter, summer or open, closed yeah, type the of damper. thing. Yeah, the damper. Manual damper. And a, a, nothing would control that except someone going down and opening Correct. and closing be, that. Yeah, you control have, that, Mike. Yeah you control yes that. i do yeah that is the that's a manual damper and i mean they if you get a high they make one, some that are like automatic automatic you okay bet. so uh on the other end of humidifier so you want to check the humidifier uh just real quick you it is a good idea to pop the cover off of the thing and make sure that the pad is not calcified over with mineral buildup and stuff like that um and then i usually will recommend that you 
pull the drain hose off the bottom to make sure. And I just tell them to blow in it to make sure you're getting air through because on mine, it seems like once a year I need to go down at the beginning and blow through it because it'll get some sludge build up in it. And, um, and I've had it before where if you're not making sure that that's clear, um, it will, the, that, that water pan that it's, that's collecting the extra water, it'll flood into the basement. And when I say flood, it just runs over. It's not a flood, like a water heater going off. Like, I guess it could be though, if it just keeps on going and going. Um, I have, I have replaced a lot of parts on furnaces from that exact thing though. Oh, that's a good point though. Yeah. If it doesn't flood into the basement, it actually very easily can flood the into furnace. the furnace. And there's a lot of electronics and things. That's actually a good, I'll tell people, um, you know, before you're scheduling the service, the maintenance uh, for someone to come out, it's also a good idea to just visually go down, go to wherever the furnace is and look for things. We talk about, you know, the dirt and keeping things away from it. Water spots. Yes, looking Mm -hmm. for water inside and out. So if you take that cover off and you're seeing rust, there shouldn't be rust in there. No, and you can definitely, we've seen some furnaces come through that, man, the rust in them was just incredible. You on, know. on new systems, because on newer of, systems, yeah, of a leak that could have been prevented. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are leaks from the humidifier, um, and sometimes they're from the high efficiency venting being done wrong. Like where, where, where it, are the it, different areas the rust can come from? It come from, like I said, the humidifier, the high efficient venting could be you know broken or leaking. It also your, could your come coil. from air conditioner. Yeah, your air conditioner. You coil. get an air conditioner that freezes. Oh, up if that pan is uh, well, if your drain gets drain plugged, up. it can overflow onto the inside of the furnace. It, I mean, you can have a crack in it. You can, you can actually have, uh, because you weren't changing your filters, you can have lint build up to the point where it actually bridges the gap. And as the water runs down, it catches that lint and goes over and drips down in. So, so while you're also doing that visual inspection, the other things I'll say, um, so yes, look for rust, make sure you don't have things up against the furnace, keep it clean. Um, a common one that I've actually seen that I saw a lot before I even knew what was going on in the HVAC industry is that, um, uh, in the furnace room, a lot of times you'll have a six inch piece of ductwork coming into the room that uh, is either going outside or up into the attic and you feel like a cold breeze coming from it. And so many times people will shove a blanket, a pillow or something up in there because they're like, oh, why am I got this cold air this coming cold, into the room? In the world? Yeah. Right. T- t- tell everyone what that is. So that is your combustion air, um, basically fresh air that they bring in from the outside. So, yes, in the wintertime. It's going to feel cold. Um, bring it in so that your furnace can actually function properly. You've got, uh, and this is uh, techs that have got their Rocky Mountain Gas Association certification like we talked about. This is where you learn about all that kind of stuff. Um, the different ratios and the different amount of air that needs to be piped in for the sizing of the furnace. Uh, basically, if you don't have that, the potential for your furnace to not burn properly, uh, which can have some adverse side effects, meaning uh, carbon monoxide can be produced, um, different things like that. If you don't have that, fresh air that comes in. So it, it is, it's a, it's a super vital, important part of your whole, of your system. So one thing I'll tell people is instead of shoving a pillow or a blanket up in there, if you're feeling a breeze coming under the door in, uh, from the equipment room, put a towel down there. Yeah. Don't block off the main source of combustion air coming into that, uh, into that area. So yeah, for sure. So, Hey, so anyway, while you were talking, um, we were talking about humidifiers a minute ago. Yep. I just wanted to throw out a plug for humidifiers. Okay. A lot of people, just don't understand why why a humidifier would be something you'd want, yep. right? And then the maintenance on them, they, they're intimidated because they think it's going to be super difficult, right? Uh, humidifier, if moisture holds air better than air does, or holds heat better than air does. Mm-hmm. And in Utah, the furnace and the dry air, or the, the dry air, the furnace dries the air out even more 
right? And it just creates issues. So the less moisture there is in the air, the more heat you need to be able to feel comfortable, to be able to feel warm. So if you put some humidity back into the air after it's been dried out by the furnace, then it allows you to feel better. You actually don't need it to run as much and be as warm, mm -hmm. right? Um, super, super important. The, the majority of your maintenance though on it is that pad once a year. Yep. And as long as when you get it installed, you know, you're instructed on how to take care of it and pull that pad out, put a new one in, which is super simple, then uh, they're definitely worth, worth having in Utah. Okay. Yeah. With that pad, um, I've seen pads where you, you just take the cover off and you look at it and the pad looks amazing, but you actually take it out and the backside is completely caked and crusted. It's funny. Cause like I actually shot a, uh, a DIY video. Anyone that doesn't know on our any hour services, YouTube channel, we've got uh, a playlist that is just, um, DIY videos. And one of the ones that I did was on my humidifier and I kid you not, I hadn't messed with it probably in eight years. <laughs> and so, so anyway, um, you know, it's one of those things where I, I got a funny story about filters I'll save for the filter episode. But, um, so I, I took my, uh, I took the cover off and for as long as I hadn't checked it, it actually didn't look too bad. And in the video, if you go and you check it out, I actually turn it around and I show you and I say, this is exactly why you look at both sides of the pad because the other pad looked like it was from the Titanic wreckage. It had like barnacles growing over it. There was no way, you know, one, you're not going to get as much absorption of the water into the pad. And two, you're not going to get the airflow that you need over it to be able to get that moisture into the air, which is the purpose of it. And so, so yeah, that, that, that's a big one is always checking both sides of the pad. So I'm glad you brought that up. I watched that video. I thought that was quite comical <laughs> when I saw that and I just rolled my eyes like Mike. <laughs> yep. That's, that's me. But Hey, now, now I go and I check it. And the thing is, is the reason that I hadn't messed with it is because like the system was keeping, and I think a lot of homeowners, I think I am going to play the role in this series as the average thinks they know a little bit, but probably doesn't know as much as they need to know homeowner. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, my house is warm. I'm comfortable. I probably don't need to mess with it. I don't want to like take the time out of my day and pay someone to come and, you know, check out my humidifier and do that type of thing. Because if it's working, it's like, eh, I'm going to put it off as long as I can. But once I checked it out, part of it was that I didn't do it. My, the reason I didn't do it myself is I was a little intimidated because it's like, oh, there's this piece of equipment here. But once I dove into it and it took me longer the first time going through it, figuring out how to do it. And that's one of the reasons that I do the videos the way that I do is that if there's simple things that we can show homeowners how to do, like, why wouldn't we? Right. And so, and I get an uncomfortable amount of hate on social media from technicians, not our technicians, but from people in the trades that are always like, why are you giving away your bread and butter? That's your gravy, man. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, you guys are playing the short game. If you're trying to yeah. withhold information from, from homeowners on that anyway. Um, let's see. But now I'm, I'm glad to report that I, I do, uh, check that more often. Uh, let's see. We talked about, oh, let's talk about life expectancy. That's a, that's a question that we got from uh, lots of people. So average life expectancy, what should they expect from a, uh, how long a furnace should last? 
Well, that depends, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. Kevin's go-to. Yeah. Cam, we need a uh, we need a visual that we can like throw on the video every time uh, Kevin drops a. It depends. Hmm. I think it's going to be a big thing when we're talking about technical things. What about just house. like a counter, like a one, two, three, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, if we get an episode where it's, I, I think that would encourage Kevin because he would see like, oh, last episode I got fifteen. I'm going to go for thirty-two <laughs> this time. Anyway. I'd like to outdo myself. That's for sure. That's sure. Uh, okay. So how long, I know it depends, but let's talk about, let's talk about an average and then let's talk about, well, actually I think we already kind of talked about some of the things that determine whether it lasts longer or not. We talked about the, the quality of the installation and we talked about maintaining the thing. Uh, but let's talk about what people should expect. We pulled a furnace out of a house yesterday that was installed in the, we actually can't find the serial number online. We no, we found know. this. Yeah. We can't find it online. When the serial number is only three digits long. Correct. We don't know if this thing was installed. Some we, we think that it's somewhere installed between the 30s and the 50s, and it was still. It's been. It was still functioning. Yeah, it's been converted over to gas at some point. It was an oil burning furnace, anyway, or whatever it's called. Okay, so let's talk about that one. Obviously, is longer than average. Well, you know the saying they don't make them like they used to. Yes. Well, it holds true big time with with your heating and air conditioning equipment. Okay. Um, some of the stuff that they have now that they didn't have uh, back in the day. I mean, look at that furnace right there. looks pretty safe, right? Yeah, there's no safety. There is, n there is nothing to stop that furnace from killing you dead in your sleep, okay. right? Um, not to scare anybody. I'm just, you know, sure. that furnace, they just didn't think about that stuff back then. Not that I use it as a scare tactic, but one of my favorite ways to explain how we heat our homes is I say, you know, we still, to heat our homes, we pump gas into a metal cabinet in the basement and we light it on fire. Basically. <laughs> we do. That's the simplest way to describe oh, what yeah. a furnace is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And, and, and when, it's, when it's done right and everything's functioning properly, yep. it is, honestly, the technology nowadays is really cool. And, and you can take, like that furnace right there, that's 100, is it 110 or is it 100? It, I and, think it was 110. Anyway, you take 110,000 BTU furnace that they used to put in like, an 800 square foot house and now you go put a 45,000 BTU furnace in it. Um, the technology is just incredible how much it saves you that way. Um, but then also the safety features and it really, that's a big, I mean, think about cars nowadays. It's the same kind of thing. The car is designed so that when you get in a big crash, it crumples in a way to protect the driver. Right. And it's kind of the same way with these furnaces. They don't get in crashes very often, but I think we need to follow up with this customer and find out what his utility bills are now. Oh, man. Yeah, that'd be interesting to know. But here's the thing. The, the question is, how long should one last? And I get that some are made uh, better or, well, we say they don't make them like they used to. That's not necessarily meaning that it was made better because nowadays the equipment is better yeah. in some ways. But as far as like lasting longer, I, it doesn't. I think, I think the stuff nowadays is actually really cool, the way that it's made and just the, the, the design behind it. Um, I think a few things you have to ask yourself when you're wondering about longevity. Um, the average person, they don't maintain their stuff 100% the way it should be. Correct. Right? If something's maintained 100% the way that it's supposed to be and it was installed properly, honestly, I think you could still get with this newer stuff 25 years. Right? I agree with that. Um, well, the, sorry. I agree with that because I'm a homeowner and I'm like, yeah, give me, yeah. Give me 25 years. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'll tell you, uh, the engineers out there, and I'm speaking purely from opinion, right? Yes. The engineers out there, they know that their stuff is going to work to a certain degree. And so that's why they put a 10-year manufacturing warranty that you can get, right? Uh, if it, things are registered and whatever else. And they, they make sure that you got to register it 
because uh, they don't want to have to put that on there. But they're willing to do 10 years because I think in their mind, they're thinking worst case scenario, it's not going to be installed, right? We're willing to do up to 10 years. Well, right? the way that I describe that 10 year thing, because I've heard some people, I've heard some people's opinion is that like, oh, that the lifespan of a system is 10 years because that's as long as a manufacturer is willing to warranty the thing. Mm -hmm. But in reality, all of their, and when I say reality, in my opinion, <laughs> the, the reason that that 10 year uh, warranty is there is that all of their actuarial data that they've collected says that after 10 years, that's when the failure rate of the components and things in there really start to go up, yeah. up to the point where it's not necessarily profitable for them to be able to sell the equipment at the price that they are and still be able to stand behind the warranty. So the 10 years doesn't necessarily mean that's how often you should replace it. Now, some systems we talked about, you should replace it after 10 years because it just was installed improperly and it's going to cost way more money to mm -hmm get it working properly, you know, but you got to make that decision on your own. Yeah. The, the other thing that you got to weigh is, uh, you know, how old is my system? I used to, when I was running a lot of service, I always told people, Hey, we can fix this. Yep. We can fix this. Any furnace. I mean, really you can, you can fix as long as we can get parts. Yeah. You can fix most anything out there. The, the question you have to ask yourself is, should we fix this? Because, uh, they get to a point where, uh, just the cost alone to, to make the repairs or do whatever it is, is going to, outweigh and just not make sense uh, financially or or longevity wise or anything so there's a lot of other factors you got to take and, and look at um, I typically think your furnace is going to be somewhere on average nowadays around that 15 year mark 15 18 maybe I'm, I'm curious I w I'd like you other you my know, the my, bunkers to weigh in <laughs> my uh my thought is a furnace is going to last 15 to 20 years it can last longer but at what point is it going to break down be more cost effective to run and just unbe reliable and air conditioner is going to be 12 to 15 years and it's really going to start costing a lot more like i said i mean this thing's been in there for you know 70 80 whatever years sure it's working but is it really doing a good thing so my 12 to 15 for an air conditioner and 15 20 for a furnace matt at about the same opinion 15 years is where you got to start really weighing how much it's going to cost to repair it so so sorry keep going you got other well, i just say and it's not just the repairs and stuff like that. It's also the utilities. They're mm -hmm. making these things more and more efficient. You know, like I said, that one, I mean, that at the time that was all they had. And now they're making them 98% efficient. Yep. So one of the things that people will ask, or another question that we got several times was, how do I know when it's time to replace it? So if there is this broad range of it could last anywhere from here to here, then as a consumer, how am I supposed to know uh, when it's time to replace it? If you're getting, if you're going to have to call regularly for, for it to get fixed, it's time. Okay. What do you define as regularly? You know, I heard you on the radio, I think it was yesterday, talking about if you're having it back-to-back -back a couple times a year, two years in a row, it's time. That's what I'll tell people is if your system is over 12 years old, and I'd say 12 to 15, you know, if your system is, is over 12 years old and you've had two consecutive years of having to invest money into repairs, you should at least start meeting with people and start gathering the information that you yeah, need to make research. a replacement decision. Yeah, I like yeah. that. When you, when I heard that yesterday on the radio, I thought that's really a good point. If, it, if it's constantly, you know, two years in a row, whatever, it's time like you're, let's get it. Yeah. The, the eight, the equation or whatever that I'll actually tell people when I'm on the radio, I say, you need to think about age, frequency, and cost. How old is the system? How frequently are you having repair, having to do repairs? And then how much are those repairs costing? Because you'll find some type of, um, ratio that you're comfortable with, meaning it just hypothetical numbers. If you, if it's, 
you know, a certain age and it's been breaking down and then it gets to a point where it's like, ah, well, last year I put 250 into it. The year before that I put 300 into it. Now I'm having to, I'm being told I need to put another four or $500 into it. At some point it's like, okay, well, I need to like make a decision that I would rather put that money towards a new system because I'm probably going to get eight to 10 years of, you know, not having to worry about the repairs on it. Anyway, Matt, what was your opinion on that? My opinion is once you start having to worry about it, um, I had an old truck, you know, and it just, I was nervous to take it anywhere and because I was worried about something breaking down and that's when I realized, (laughs) Oh, Oh, you walked into that. I said it was an old truck. So it was lasting a long time. He does have an old, old Dodge. (laughs) All right. Sorry. Keep going. So it was, it was old. Anyway, Kevin single-handedly derailed the podcast. You're welcome. That's Kevin for you. Um, when it's to a point where you're not comfortable taking it anywhere, then it's time to replace the truck, right? Get a new one where you're comfortable taking it. Kind of same with the furnace. When you're worried every year that it's, something's going to happen and break down, that's definitely time that you need to replace it. But again, it depends on how old and how much money you're putting into it. So yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just say 15 years to me, like I said, that's, that's a good point where it's really considered. Cause I think that, um, everyone's got their different tolerance level, right? Because there are people that like drive that truck into the ground because they are competent enough to go and they know how to like change out some of the parts and like keep it limping along. Get but, the duct tape out and stick right? the bubble gum in the right spot. Every time, every time my dad rolls around, he's always like, making comments about the way that I used to repair my old Jeep was with duct tape and bailing wire. I don't think that's a wrong way. If that's what you want, then that's what you want. I thought it added character Mm. and I didn't have any money back then. And so, so that's another thing that I'll tell people is that like when someone comes out there, I'll actually tell them this because sometimes they'll ask, okay, do I repair or replace if my furnace is acting up? And I'll say, well, if it's acting up, here's the order that I'll recommend. Start with maintenance. Have you had the maintenance done? If you haven't, do the maintenance. See if that makes uh, an improvement because maintenance is usually the least expensive way to get the most life out of your system. After that, go to a repair. Look and see what's, find out what's wrong with it. Have a, a certified guy come out and diagnose and find out how your system is operating and what needs to be repaired. At that point, you can make a decision. You should be presented with repair options and then if you want, replacement options, but it should be your choice. Because like you said earlier, Kevin, like, um, and, 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 uh, and Dick, if, if they are not making the parts for the system anymore, unless they're not making the parts for the system anymore, you should be able to repair it. So yeah. anyway, but then different parts cost different things and you got to make a decision, but you shouldn't be forced into a situation. And I think not because they intend to, but a lot of times technicians will go out there and, they'll put themselves in the customer's position and they'll say, this is what in their head, they'll have a conversation of like, well, this is what I would do if it was me. So that's what I'm going to tell the customer that they need to do. But they don't realize that by telling somebody, this is what you need to do. It comes across as pushy and it comes across as you're trying to like lead them in a certain direction. And you know, our industry is notorious for like having a bad rep, you know, the trades when you're, when you're trusting a, a stranger to come into your home and they're, they have a lot of times control over swaying your decision on whether you're going to spend lots of money or little bits of money. And when unfortunately you were in a situation where you need to 
replace a major piece of equipment in the home and it ends up being uh, quite a bit of money, you're labeled as like, oh, all you're worried about is like getting them dollars. I think the most important thing, and this is back to just homeowners when they're, when they're having these questions, you know, the people that you're talking with, does it feel like they're looking out for you and trying to help you make the best decision for you, right? Um, I have had in the past, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and uh, I've had stuff that I've recommended people that was definitely would be considered older, but was pristine where I've said, no, you man, pump this thing for all you can. It's, it's working awesome. And, and I've had others where based on availability um, and this, you know, some furnaces that were quite a bit newer and just availability for the parts and, uh, and things like that, where the better decision was to replace that thing, you know? And so it, everything there's no, and this goes back to me saying it depends on stuff. It really does. And a lot of that depends on the homeowners, what, what, what it is they are wanting to do and what they're able to do, but you need someone who's going to be able to help guide you through the process to know what the options are to be able to make those decisions. It all comes back to trust and like finding a relationship with somebody that you, that you trust their mm -hmm. opinion, because as a homeowner, you're not expected. It's, I think it's unrealistic to expect a homeowner to know every technical aspect of how everything works. Um, and, and finding a relationship with a company or a friend or somebody that is a trusted advisor is really how we make a lot of those decisions on there. And, you know, I trust at least three of the four people at this table. So, I mean, we're doing pretty good. <laughs> no, he doesn't just, trust himself. Just kidding. I trust you, Richard. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> well, um, any, any last thoughts? I think this is a good place to try and uh, kind of wrap up this episode. For me, for a furnace replacement or repair, it comes down to, do you want a reliable system? Are you worried about it? And what's the cost difference? Like, that's what the biggest thing is for me. Me as a technician, I don't want you, I don't want you to be in cold. I don't want you to be in the hot summer. I'm going to look out for you. So if that's, you know, if you want to repair it, we'll fix it. If you want to replace it, we'll replace it. It's up to you. Okay. Matt? To me, part of the, what you got to consider too is, and I hate going there, but financial situations, you know, you don't want to have to do something when you because ha you have to, because you're not prepared for it. Um, you know, last week I can tell you multiple times where comfort advisors went out there and just the replacement wasn't the right option for them at the time. So we sent the service guys back out there to do the repairs and it wasn't just because of financial, but it just, the equipment was, it had some more life in it. Um, but it, and there's some calculations you can do to figure out, you know, your repair costs over time compared to replacement and the supervisors can help you could help them figure that out. If it was a good option to replace the equipment now or repair it. Well, this has been a fun episode anyway. So thanks for listening to this episode of in the house. I'd like to thank uh, my guests. You know, their names cause I told you them earlier. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Dick Bunker, Kevin Van Orman, Matt Bunker, uh, our producer behind the uh, behind the cameras and the mic, uh, C Dub, Cam, also known as Bullfrog. Um, anyway, thanks so much. If you've got questions or comments or want to know anything about anything else, uh, feel free to leave us comments, leave us a review on the podcast platforms wherever you're listening. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, and until uh, next time, see you. <laughs>